Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, satisfying episode. I don't know why I chose that adjective, but I did, and we're all going to have to live with it now. Stupendous episode. Stupendous episode. That would have been less weird than mine. But anyways, welcome to Avatar, the podcast. Avatar, the podcast. The podcast. I'm Booster Greg, and joining me, as always, is Acorn Bandit. Hello. Hello, dear listeners. Yes, yes. This week, we're talking about book three, episode 12, The Western Air Temple, or as we like to call it. Hello, Zuko here. That's right. And as always, before we dive right into the episode, we have one, two, three five-star reviews to read today. Acorn, who's the first one? Our first review comes from Envy Does It, who writes, Hi, Greg and Acorn. Just wanted to hop on here. I listened to you guys on Spotify, and when I first listened to you, I was not too big of a fan, but now I love you. I always like to hear you at night when I go to bed. I need to play you guys before I go to bed. Well, love all the puns. Also, I cringe at the movie. Bye, guys. Love you. What an emotional roller coaster of a review. We start off at the top. So much love. Right? Where it's just like, I listen to you guys on Spotify, and they came over to Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review, which is super appreciated. Thank you. Thank you so much. A bunch of people have been doing that. It really does mean a lot. We know that it can be kind of a hassle to make an account that you maybe don't want to, or who really needs an extra account in this day and age, you know? Or recover or an account recover if you one. had one before. Yeah, those Apple ones are tricky. Believe me, I know. So that was great. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, I used to not be too big of a fan. And then it's like, ah, oh, my heart. And then it's like, but now I love you. And it's like, oh, my, okay, we're back. Okay, <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was that was a great one. Anvi, thank you. Or Anvi, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. The next one comes from the guy Ectotine. And the guy writes, keep going. Oh my God. I don't usually review, but I had to make an exception for this podcast. This has become the highlight of my Friday. You explain every detail and dive into headcanons that I wouldn't ever comprehend and point out the details that I never would have noticed. I love what you guys are doing with this podcast, and I hope you liked my review. P.S. My top five characters are Zuko, May, Iroh, Sokka, and of course, the Cabbage Merchant. You can't forget the Cabbage Merchant. Mm-mm. You cannot forget it at all. I also really appreciate the emojis. Yes, <laughs> yes. To each name. Yeah, Zuko had the fire. May's got some weapons. Iroh's got cups of tea. And Sokka's got some some water, some water drops next. Though. Some water droplets some water for drops. water tribe. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the cabbage merchant who needs no emojis at all. Though so. he would have cabbages, mm-hmm. but he lost them. He lost. They were destroyed. That, that was it. Perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. Our final review comes from Avatar, the audiobook, which I think might be one of our new listeners making an account. Mm-hmm. They write best podcast ever. I think this is the best podcast ever. You've helped me so much to understand Avatar. Best thing ever. Also, you should start an audiobook. And then three clapping emoji hands. Yes. Yeah. Very excited about the audiobook idea. Thank you so much for that review. Also, since we're getting near the end of season three and we're about to read the Kyoshi novels, I will say... If you didn't know, the Kyoshi novel audiobooks are narrated by the very talented Nancy Wu. And I listened to a sample and I'm super torn now about whether or not I want to listen to the book or read the book because I love Nancy's voice. Oh, I'm going old school third grade. And by that, I mean, I'm going to get a digital copy of the book and I'm going to listen and read along like I'm in school. (laughs) 
listen to the audiobook, read in the physical book. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what, what my gotcha. plan is right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to start that up. I've been purposefully just leaving it aside because now we've had a little bit of interaction with her on Twitter. So now I'm like, I can't wait to just like hear her voice, hear how wonderful it is. And your, uh, I would say your seal of approval, I think, kind of seals it and makes my excitement <laughs> that much more. Yeah. Can't wait. Yes. Uh, now, hey, remember back in the day when we used to read Avatar news at the beginning of the show and then there just hasn't been any Avatar news? Remember back in the day when we had Avatar news? Remember that? Well, guess what? We have one that we forgot to mention and we're going to talk about right now. And we have one that is hot off the presses for us recording, which should probably be like lukewarm by the time it gets to you on, on Friday. <laughs> But the first one that we're going to talk about is the Avatar Legends tabletop role-playing game. I'm so excited about this. I am too. This has been brought to our attention several times by several different people, friends, fans, family alike. And I just want to talk about it very quickly. This Kickstarter was started up by Magpie Games, who has made 13 Kickstarters prior. I don't know what they are. I didn't get that far. We're not here to talk Impressive. about Magpie. We're here to talk about Avatar, The Last Airbender. They started this with a pledged goal of $50,000. As of recording this right now, they are over $5.5 million with 46,580 backers with 18 days to go. 18 so, more days and they're already 5 million over. Yes. 5 and a half million over. Yes. So that Incredible. is amazing to say the least. <laughs> I really want to play this. I just don't think we have the time necessarily. So anyone listening being like, oh, are you guys going to be doing a campaign? We have no plans yet for a campaign. That's not to say that there may or may not be one in the future. We have There are no plans, but there could be. Maybe. We'll see. That's not to say some friends have made eyes at us and yeah. go, hey, Avatar podcast co-hosts, look at this shiny thing over here. What do you think about this? Don't you just want to meet Sokka in a TTRPG, Greg? Yes. Yes, I do. Don't you just want to be a waterbender acorn? Yes. Yes, she does. <laughs> If you are interested in this, by the time it reaches to you, it's probably going to be much less than 18 days to go, but they're wildly successful. They have a nice animated trailer up that's really cool. The art is beautiful. The art is absolutely beautiful. Normally for something like this, I'd probably just pledge for the digital stuff, but I'm really eyeing the physical content on this one because it's just like mm-hmm. kind of wanted on my bookshelf, if I'm being honest with everyone. You can make a character in the times of Roku, Ang, Korra, or beyond is what they say. Possibly one of the coolest concepts. Yes, yes. So, you know, if this is something that's interesting, if you're big into D&D or other TTRPGs, this looks like it's going to be very, very promising. They actually have a free quick start guide that you can download right now in PDF form. We will have the link for that in the show notes. So go to thegeekgeneration.com, find Avatar the Podcast, and look for that link in that note. The second thing, you want to talk about the second thing? Yeah. Our second piece of news is the official Avatar Netflix casting. Remember that live action show that we're still kind of hesitant about, curious, hopeful, Mm -hmm. really, really hope the show that the creators left is going to be good? The casting came out. And in my opinion, I think they look great so far. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Yeah, I don't know any of them, but it's not all white people. So I'm already on board. Yeah, 
there's like for for me, it's always like, is that guy Sokka really? And I think it's because everyone knows that I just secretly think I'm Sokka all the time. But <laughs> you're not looking in a mirror. But I'm not looking in a mirror. <laughs> but it looks like they got a nice diverse cast. They look like they have some of them have quite a bit of experience. One of them was in the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why. So that's, you know, they're also in the show Big Shot with uh, John mm. Stamos. You got, you got like, you know, you got some talent in there, which is amazing. I just, I really want this to be good, despite the fact that the creators left. Yeah. And if you think back to our last Airbender episode, where we discussed the Shyamalan movie, The Last Airbender, most of our complaints were about the writing and the pacing, not so much the acting. So you're right. I, I'm there with you. I'm still hoping and praying that the writing and the world building is going to be good. Yeah, I've heard some questionable things on how it's going to be like what Dragon Ball Evolution was. Oh, no. I've been hearing they're trying to set it in modern day. I can't confirm any of this, but I've heard this from several different people. I really hope that's not the case. But if it is, we're still going to watch it. And it's going to be the difference of watching it and covering it for an episode of the podcast or more than one episode of the podcast. Yeah. That's going to yeah, be the big thing. Yeah, I think that's going to be yeah, the yeah. deciding factor. Oh, I'm nervous now. I'm very nervous. And I hope, I pray to the Avatar spirit that it, that is not true, that is false information, <laughs> that that's just maybe some disinformation Netflix spread out so we wouldn't be hot on the, you know, the scoop. But yeah. We'll see. The cast looks great, though. Off to a good start. Off to a great After start. After the last bad piece of news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, I'm going to tell you who the actor is and who they're playing. I am going to butcher the names. That should not surprise anyone. I apologize in advance. I will try to help. <laughs> we have Gordon Cormier playing Aang. We have Kia Wentio as Katara. I butchered that one. I know. I'm sorry. We have Ian Ousley as Sokka. And that's the one um, Ian was in... 13 Reasons Why, in Dallas Lou as Zuko. So we'll put a link in the show notes as well so you can kind of read more about the description they have for the characters and all of that. They look pretty solid so far, but we've said this before. We've said this about a certain M. Night movie. So, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. And with all that being said, without any further news reviews or any of that good stuff, news reviews or views. There we go. I got them in. Get the three. Like it. Yeah. Well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about book three, episode 12, The Western Air Temple. This episode was written by Elizabeth Walsh, he has, and Tim Hedrick, and was directed by Ethan Spaulding. A couple of notes to really start the episode off. This episode was part of an event called The Countdown to the Comet, where they had this string of episodes that were just leading up to the finale. So it's The Western Air Temple, The Firebending Masters, Boiling Rock Parts 1 and 2, the Southern Raiders and the Ember Island players. And finally, of course, Sozin's Comets, which has four parts. So they kind of like chunked this together as an event, which is really mm -hmm. cool. When it, when it first aired, this was also the first episode to be aired after an eight month hiatus. Wow. So you thought our hiatuses were rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So imagine leaving the previous episode and not having any answers, just like, Zuko following Team Avatar. They lost the their big battle. All this stuff happened. And now you just have to wait eight months for nothing. I watched this show when it was originally airing. And now that we're talking about this, I do vaguely remember a very painful period of my life where I think the Avatar show went on a hiatus. 
And um, I completely forgot about it till this moment. I blocked it out. Yeah. Uh, if you don't remember that eight month hiatus, you better fall off for it. I think it's, it's like all that time without Avatar. Like I, I wasn't watching it live at this point. So for me, it was just like, boop, to the next episode. Mm-hmm. But I imagine it's much like Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, where you just have to yes. wait for this this conclusion or just more information and you just are chomping at the bits and you just can't wait. Totally get That's it. That's a great current comparison. Yep. That yeah. period of time is painful. And I have a technique for that. Whenever yeah. I see a trailer of a movie I'm really looking forward to, I will watch it, enjoy it, and then consciously forget about it. Mm. just so I can get through the next however many months until it finally comes out. And I had to do that with the Marvel's Endgame and Infinity War. Yeah. Another cool fun fact. And they mentioned this briefly in the commentary. I did watch the commentary. There wasn't too, too much information, but this is one of the cool little tidbits that came out of it. The working titles for this episode were Zuko's Cool and What About Zuko? And these were <laughs> these were temporary titles that were used during the production phase because at this point, the titles for the episodes were getting leaked on the internet. So what they would do is they would come up with like fake titles to kind of throw people off and not like give away what was happening. This being during the hiatus, they were actually starting to work on the DVD box sets. So like the printer would be able to print the the episode titles and they would someone would leak it on the internet. Not saying the printers do, but someone did and the fans saw it. And so mm-hmm. they would know what would happen next, right? So they didn't want after eight months to have this whole big thing happen where they named this like Zuko joins the gang or Zuko is a good guy now or like something that's really spoilery. So they came up with these two and then they finally decided to end on the Western Air Temple also because it is non-spoilery as well. And it kind of finishes off that tradition of us having an episode that takes place at an air temple be titled that air temple. Yeah, it's our last one. Yeah, yeah. That's all the stuff I want to get out of the way in the beginning. Let's jump into the summary. We join Team Avatar as they wander through the desert. Everyone is exhausted. Katara notes how humiliating this is. And when Sokka asks her to clarify if it's because they got spanked during the invasion or the fact that they have to walk to the Western Air Temple, she replies, both. Aang apologizes, but tells the group that Appa gets tired with all the extra weight from the other people and he gives his friend a reassuring pat. Teo wonders out loud how the other group is making out, and Haru tells him that they are probably in another Fire Nation prison by now. Haru is worried because it seems like his father just got out of prison, only to be thrown into another one. While the Duke misses Pipsqueak, Sokka misses not having blisters on his feet. <laughs> Toph slams her foot on the ground and tells the group that they have arrived at their destination. But everyone's kind of confused because all they see in front of them is the edge of a cliff with no temple in sight. Uh, I think your feet need to get their eyes checked, Katara tells Toph. But Aang says that Toph is right and they have indeed arrived. Toph notices how amazing the Western Air Temple is as we see that the temple was built under the cliff. Yes, which is so cool. Very cool. So that's one thing I wanted to look into again, the air temple, because we have talked about all the air temples so far. And just to remind everyone, the Western and Eastern air temples are where the air nomad nuns lived. Meanwhile, the Northern and Southern air temples are where the monks lived. So this is one of the locations where the nuns lived. And I think they also raised air bison here. The team referenced the roof styles of Bhutanese monasteries. Also, in order to make this location a little different and unique from the others, but equally as difficult to access, 
Brian had the idea that the temple should hang upside down from the cliffs. Yeah, it's visually just really cool. And uh, when I was listening to the commentary, Brike, I know at one point I could tell him apart, but I can't do it anymore. I don't know what happened, but I've lost <laughs> the ability. Mentioned, so Brike mentions that they were disappointed with the design of the first air temple. And it mm-hmm. wasn't quite what they wanted. So they really wanted to kind of nail down this one. And they were very, very, very excited about it. And I, I agree. I think it's so cool looking. And it's so much different and not over the top. It's so like different and unique to the other air temples. Because they all kind of look the same, generally speaking. They're all atop yeah. a mountain. There is all very like whimsical and very majestic. And this one is just like topsy-turvy, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. It's quirky. Yeah. And I think the team did also make a joke that the air nomads probably weren't able to build this themselves. So they had to go to some earthbenders to be like, hey, so can we commission you? (laughs) Yeah. We need some help over here under this cliff. Yeah. Elsewhere, Zuko slides down into the Western Air Temple and remembers the first time he saw this magnificent sight. He had only been exiled for a week, but he was dead set on finding the Avatar. Uncle Iroh tells him that he might not ever find the Avatar as he has not been seen in 100 years. When Iroh advises that they should heal and rest, Zuko explodes, calling Iroh the laziest man in the Fire Nation. Zuko reminds his uncle that the only way to restore his honor is to find the Avatar. And that is exactly what the young prince plans to do. Zuko regrets his words that day. And when Appa is heard, he quickly hides behind a pillar. Once Zuko has seen where the air bison has landed, he runs off. Man, what a good way to show how far Zuko's come. He used to be so mean to his uncle and just so wrapped up in his quest to find the Avatar. And actually, I had kind of mixed emotions here because I was really happy to see how much Zuko had grown. Sad that he was treating his uncle so poorly. And then also, my heart wept a little when I realized how long uncle stood by him. Uncle Iroh never gave up on Zuko. No, they're well, not until the end of book two. And then he's just like, but no. even that was like a lesson. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's kind. Of, it's kind of turned into a lesson in hindsight. But at that moment, especially with how he acted to Zuko or how he acted towards Zuko when Zuko visited him in prison, I think he like it really hurt him. I feel like he did kind of abandon Zuko at that point, but like he got over it for lack of a better term. Yeah, I agree that he was probably really upset. I also at the same time subscribed to the Iroh is a mastermind theory. Mm -hmm. So I'm betting his hurt feelings only lasted as long as it took to get him to prison. And then from that point on, he was like, okay, if Zuko visits me, I know he's going to be in the stage of metamorphosis. He's going to be figuring things out. I'm just going to be quiet and let him do that. I like that. Okay. The other thing is Dante Bosco's delivery. Like you don't realize how different current Zuko is to past Zuko because it was this like gradient to how we got here because we've seen him very calm and collected and sure he has these outbursts every once in a while but he's been very like very smooth and quiet delivery and when we jump back to you know a couple years prior he's like very sharp very stern very precise and angry words and he's just all about getting his honor back and the avatar and i need to get the and like we haven't made that joke in a while because he hasn't said it in a while like He's grown mm-hmm. so much as an individual. It's just really cool to really see it. The delivery is so different. Yeah. You can tell just by listening to Dante Bosco's delivery, which era of Zuko you're watching. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's a change that you knew happened, but you didn't realize how extreme it was until it was presented in this manner of a quick mm-hmm. flashback. 
So very, very well done. Back with Team Avatar, Teo notes how different the Western Air Temple is from the Northern one and wonders if there are any hidden rooms. Haru invites Teo and the Duke to check out the temple with him. The two waste no time. I want to point this out really quickly. I think it was right around here. I didn't write it down, but I think it was right around here where someone just calls him Duke and he says, it's the Duke. Yeah. <laughs> and I always found it weird that Pipsqueak was always calling him the Duke. And there was some grammatical stuff where it felt kind of weird to call him that, but that's just his name, yep. which is hilarious. First name, the last name, Duke. Duke. Aang tries to join them, but Katara holds him back and tells the others to go on without them as she and Aang need to talk about some things. Why can't I go? Aang asks Katara, who reminds him that, that they need to decide what the next step is. And since Aang is the Avatar, he should probably be a part of that decision. Aang reluctantly sits down and asks about the new plan. Well, if you ask me, the new plan is the old plan, Sokka tells the group. You just need to master all four elements and confront the Fire Lord before the comet comes. Aang responds with sarcasm, and Katara reminds him that nobody said this would be easy. Aang doesn't even think that mastering all four elements is possible since he doesn't even have a firebending teacher. We could look for Zhang Zhang, Katara says, but Aang shoots down that idea, immediately saying that they'll never run into him again, which, you know, is true. Yep, it's probably right. Probably about right. <laughs> Zhang Zhang is like the master of disguise now. Yeah. He's so deep undercover somewhere, like you're never going to find him. I think it'd be really funny if he just turned up as a badrimal, dressed up as a badrimal somewhere. <laughs> Or cabbage. Or cabbage. (laughs) (laughs) Toph doesn't know who they're talking about, but quickly drops it. Oh, well, guess we can't come up with anybody. Why don't we just take a nice tour of the temple? Aang says as he takes off with Momo. There's got to be someone who can teach Aang firebending, Sokka says as he racks his brain. Hello, Zuko here. (laughs) Yeah. I was just thinking back to all the firebenders that we've met and know, which is a very short list. Yeah. Um, and then I wondered if Shayu was a firebender. How funny would that have been? Shayu? I mean, <laughs> I mean Shayu? Shayu? My first thought was, why isn't anyone thinking of Iroh? Because... Oh my gosh, that's a great question. They've teamed up with him. I'm pretty sure they know he's a firebender. They definitely know he's a firebender because Aang was having that like big conversation with Iroh before going into the Crystal Caverns. Toph met Toph Uncle met him Iroh? and had a great conversation with him. Toph like vouches for him. I think the disconnect is they go, oh, well, he's taken prisoner. There's no way we can break him out in time. I think. If they even know he's in if prison. If they know he's alive. Yeah. I, gosh, now that we are talking about this, I'm surprised Toph didn't even make that suggestion. Yeah. yeah that was like a big like, huh. But maybe they just assumed he died or they can't get to the prison that he's in. I don't know. That, yeah. That's the only way I can head cannon around it. But it's still kind of like, Left me a little uneasy, you know? Well, anyways, we join Zuko as he rehearses his sales pitch to Aang regarding an opening as a firebending teacher to a nearby badger frog. Needless <laughs> to say, the badger frog was not convinced by the awkward and overly cautious words and jumps away. Zuko wonders what his uncle would say and jumps into an impression. Zuko, you have to look within yourself to save yourself from your other self. Only then will your true self reveal itself. Zuko exclaims that he can't understand his uncle, even <laughs> though he's talking through him. That was a great attempt, Zuko. It was very good. It was very funny. Uh, Mike and Brian said that Dante had a lot of fun with that one. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine. That must have been so fun. Yeah. Then he wonders what Azula would say. Now, I'm going to put a disclaimer here. I'm going to try to sound like Azula, but I think it's just going to sound like Boomy again. So be <laughs> warned. 
Listen, Avatar. Yeah, see, it's already booming. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Listen, Avatar, I can join your group or I can do something unspeakably horrible to you and your friends. Your choice. <laughs> Sorry. It was like half boomy, half radio announcer. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Zuko sits down and comes to the conclusion that he's just not that good at impressions. Me neither, Zuko. Me neither. <laughs> Oh, before we move on, the badger frog. Yeah. I found out that was actually drawn. It was, um, I think, like a fun drawing that Ethan Spalding did. And they were like, yep, we're using this one. That's great. That's great. I feel like maybe a lot of animals started that way. They'd be like, that's perfect. We need something. Go. Yeah. There was a lot of creative freedom. That is something I have seen multiple times in show notes because oftentimes they would know what they want in the episode and they would just hand it to the character designers and the animators and go, all right, we need like a big baddie. And then that's where they come up with these crazy hybrid combinations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back at the Western Air Temple, Aang shirks his responsibilities and flies on his glider with Momo. Katara and Sokka try to get him to come up with a plan on what to do next. But the Avatar acts like he can't hear them and does a loop. When they mention it again, Aang agrees and says that they can do that while he shows them the giant pie show table and the all-day echo chamber. I think that'll have to wait, Toph says, as she points behind Appa to reveal Zuko standing in front of the group. <laughs> Hello, Zuko here. He starts with a friendly wave and a smile, and we cut to a commercial break. <laughs> Zuko awkwardly explains that he heard the gang flying around and thought that he would just wait for them. Appa walks over and growls at Zuko for a moment which is then quickly followed by a good boy lick. That's what I'm calling now, good boy licks. Yes. Aang and Momo are a bit taken aback by the whole situation, and Aang eventually lowers his guard a bit. Zuko acknowledges that they must be a bit surprised to see him at the Western Air Temple, but Sokka dismisses the notion, saying that Zuko has followed the team all around the world. Why would they be surprised now? Not really thinking about that point of view, Zuko gathers his thoughts and tells his former enemies that he is actually good now. He continues by saying that he thinks he should not only join the group, but be Aang's firebending teacher. He is here to submit a resume. Yes. And an application. Yes. The group is flabbergasted. I don't use that word often, but they are flabbergasted <laughs> by the thought. But Appa is not. Appa's Appa not. Appa is basically a giant dog and dogs are good judges of character. Yes. So he gives Zuko a sniff and he's like, all right, yep. I don't mind you. Yeah. The group is just, they don't know what to do. They know they can't trust Zuko. All he's ever done is try to hunt them down and try to capture Aang. Zuko remains calm and brings up the fact that while he did try to capture Aang several times, he also helped set Appa free back in Ba Sing Se. So that's got to count for something. Appa gives Zuko another big old kiss. A big old good boy kiss. <laughs> Appa does seem to like him, Toph notes. Sokka is not buying it, however, and explains that he probably just covered himself in honey or something so that Appa would lick him. <laughs> Zuko Gotta be a would rational explanation this. for this. Yeah. Like, this, this is what he did. He's an evil genius. Covered himself in honey. So the sky bison would lick him and think we like him. And then he'll kill us all. That's what Sokka's I mean, he, he eventually may have come to that plan. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Zuko understands why they wouldn't trust him and acknowledges the mistakes he's made in the past. Like when he attacked the Southern Water Tribe and stole Katara's necklace and used it to track them down and sent Combustion Man after the group. Wait a minute. They didn't know. Uh-oh. Yeah. Katara, Sokka, and Toph yell about what Combustion Man did to them, but Aang remains silent. Suko asks why Aang hasn't said anything yet, 
and reminds the Avatar about a conversation they once had about being friends in a different lifetime. Aang takes a moment to think and then looks at his friends and comes to the conclusion that there is no way that Zuko can be trusted after everything he's done. Zuko will never join them. What a roller coaster. Yeah. We're cheering for Zuko. We want him to join. We're like, yeah, yeah he's good. They're going to be like, perfect. This is our next firebending master. And then, nope, completely shut down. Well, what's interesting too is there's a little bit of like psychological manipulation on Mike and Brian's part for us, the audience, because we just saw two former quote unquote villains in the guise of the boulder and the big bad hippo. Yeah. Like, oh, we're good now. And the group was like, great, we love you. Join us. So, like, we know that Team Avatar can accept the reformation of villains into heroes. So I think we went in being like subconsciously, maybe even being like, it's going to be just like that. Awesome. But then the team just lists out everything that Zuko's done to them. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and this and this. Oh, oh and yeah. this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you kind of forget that. Like we've been on such a wild ride with Zuko that again, like even though we're just reminded, uh, Mike and Brian tried to remind us with that flashback of what he was like, we still kind of forget. We still think that everything's yeah. going to be okay. And it's not. Aang tells Zuko to leave, but a frustrated Zuko tries to explain that he's changed and he's not that person anymore. Sokka points Boomerang at the prince and tells him that he either leaves or they attack. Zuko then offers himself as a prisoner instead of an ally, but the gang refuses request and tell him that he needs to leave and never return. Zuko walks back to his campsite and vents about how stupid he is for thinking they would just accept him like that. And why did he admit that he sent an assassin after them? Just say Azula did it. It's perfectly believable. The badger frog croaks back at Zuko. <laughs> Poor Zuko. This is so endearing. Yeah. Watching him practice his speeches and vent to his new badger frog friend. Yep. Yep. I do think it's funny that he was like, oh, yeah, like, and I sent that assassin. And Sokka was like, you sent Combustion Man? He's like, well, that's not his name, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that exchange. We'll never know, at least as of right now, we'll never know Combustion Man's real name. I I don't think they ever named him. I feel like that's so weird, though. I feel like they do such a great job at world building that they should have at least just come up with, even if it's never used, just come up with a name. Yeah, there may have been a production name or Mike and Brian could have named him, but I know they did reference Combustion Man and they didn't really have much more backstory for him. Yeah, that's fair. Back at the temple, Katara wonders why Zuko would try to fool them like that. Sokka notes that it's obviously a trap of some kind. Katara is reminded of the prison at the Crystal Caverns that she and Zuko were held at in Ba Sing Se. Zuko took a different tone when he was talking about his mother and it humanized him to the young waterbending master. He wants you to trust and feel sorry for him. So you let your guard down and then he strikes, Sokka explains. Katara admits that she did feel sorry for the prince and she felt like he was really confused and hurt. This all means nothing to her though because when the time came, Zuko made his choice and everyone paid the price. Zuko still cannot be trusted. Aang confesses that back when the siblings were sick and they had to lick frozen toads to get better, which left a wart on Sokka's dangly thing in the back of his throat, (laughs) which was definitely there. It's his dangly thing in the back of his throat. And no matter what Katara says, it was there. Even though Katara didn't witness anything. (laughs) The lack of evidence of a dangly wart throat thing does not indicate that it does not exist. (laughs) Clearly. Anyways, Aang was actually captured by Zhao, and it was Zuko who risked his life to save him. 
Katara theorizes exactly as we did back in the Blue Spirit episode that he probably just did it to capture the Avatar for himself. Mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't go back and listen to it, but I like remember having that thought being like, well, maybe he's doing it for himself so he can get the honor restored from his father. Yes. People who are binging us are probably either yelling, yes, great thinking, or no, Greg, you're entirely wrong. <laughs> How could you get that so wrong? It was a very long it was time ago. Such at this a long point, time but ago. I, I think we had a conversation kind of along those very, lines. Very yeah. similarly, yes. Face it, Ang, you're nothing but a big prize to him, Sokka tells his friend. And Ang acknowledges that Sokka is probably right. And what about all that crazy stuff about setting Appa free? What a liar, Katara adds. But Toph tells her that Zuko was not lying about that part. Oh, hooray. In a lifetime of evil, at least he didn't add animal cruelty to the list. Sokka dismisses the point. Toph brings up the fact that Zuko isn't actually all that bad if you consider how messed up his family is and how he was raised. He could have turned out a lot worse. Katara now joins in on the sarcasm train and exclaims that he should be given a medal for the not as much of a jerk as he could have been award. <laughs> Listen, all I know is that while he was talking to us, he was sincere. Maybe you're all just letting your hurt feelings keep you from thinking clearly. Toph tells the group who immediately get on the defensive and hurtfully remind their new quote unquote friend that she wasn't there when he had pirates attack them or when he burned down an entire island, which was Kyoshi Island, or try to capture Aang at a fire temple. Toph gets understandably upset and tells the group that they are all ignoring one crucial fact. Aang needs a firebending teacher and they can't think of a single person in the world to do this job. And the universe just hands them one on a silver platter and they won't even consider it. You don't usually think of Toph being the reasonable one. But in this episode, she is. And I think it's actually a cool distinction to make because she is newer to the group. She hasn't met all the people that they have and gone through all the experiences. So she's kind of unbiased in this example because she doesn't have this history with Zuko that the others do. Yeah, it's especially interesting if you think about it this way, too. They very early in the episode brought up the fact that Toph doesn't know who Zhang Zhang is. Mm-hmm. It's a little foreshadowing. And she's like, this oh, if it's important, I'll find out. Yeah. Well, they're they're preparing us. They're reminding us, being like, hey, this character that you love, we know that she's been there since mid book two, let's say, early to mid book two. She wasn't always there. She doesn't know everything that's been going on with the group. She knows a lot of it now, and they're very tight, and they're still great friends. But there are things she's missing from the adventure. And they bring it back here. That was like the soft reminder. Yeah. And this is the boom. Remember, she wasn't always part of the group. And now we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I was just like Mandela affecting her back into <laughs> the invasion yeah. of the Southern Water Tribe where Zuko shows up. <laughs> of course, Toph was in the South Pole. She's always been in the group. Yeah. I'm not having Zuko as my teacher, Aang says sternly. Sokka and Katara agree with him and believe he is making the right call. Toph begins to wonder who's really the blind one in the group and walks away. Valid, Toph. Valid. Yeah. Later that night, Zuko is fast asleep at his campsite when he hears someone rustling in the bushes nearby. He immediately goes on the offense and yells for whoever it is to stay back. Unfortunately for him, it's Toph and Zuko accidentally firebends a blast right at her, which burns her feet, leaving her unable to use her seismic sense. Zuko tries to apologize several times while chasing Toph, and explains that he didn't know it was her, but the damage was already done. Oh, why am I so bad at being good? Zuko yells into the night. Oh, this made me feel for him so much. He's trying so hard to be good, and no one's accepting him, and then he completely screws up. It's just this, such a relatable, almost teenage moment, which is like, oh, why do I suck so much? 
Why can't I be good at this thing? And he doesn't help matters by chasing after her, being like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she's just like, get away from me. Like, I'm so <laughs> yeah. sorry. Please forgive me. Oh, yep. Zuko. Poor Zuko. Did you notice what he was using for a tent, by the way, in the background? What was he using? I didn't see it. So at the end of the day, Black Sun, we see him following the team on Appa yeah. using a hot air balloon. Oh, so if you look it? closely in the background, it's yeah. the balloon. That's so He's cool. using it as like, like a tent covering, a tent flap. Very resourceful. Very. Yeah. Well, the following morning back at the temple, Katara asks if anyone has seen Toph. When no one has, she wonders if they should go look for her because she's been out all night. Sokka tells his sister to let the rubblehead have fun with her rocks and that she's probably fine. Teo, Haru, and the Duke offer to go search for Toph. And besides, Teo wants to ride the tunnel down to the Hall of Statues again, which should work better now that he's fixed his brakes. The three exit, leaving Sokka, Katara, and Aang by themselves. Okay. I'm a little upset that we haven't seen the Hall of Statues, the giant yep. pie show table. What was it? The the Room of Echoes? Yep. I think they call it like the, it takes the whole day for the Echoes or something, like the day of the Hall of Echoes or something. I don't remember. It was something like yeah, that. Yeah. The Hall of Echoes, whatever. Or you have to spend like a day at there. Yeah. To like get the full experience. Yeah. I, I want to see these places. What does this temple look like? Well, Mike and Brian talked about in the, that sounds like a really good setup, but I swear it wasn't <laughs> planned. Well, Acorn, I'm glad you brought that up because in the director's <laughs> commentary that I saw, Mike and Brian joked about how they really wanted to have this episode, but then thought it would be too much like the Great Divide. I'm paraphrasing. They say the Great Divide, but they thought it would be too fillery. So they just didn't yeah. do it. While amazing, it would be too fillery. I'd be okay with like a mini episode from Avatar Studios about that. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a free comic day story or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. That'd be amazing. Yeah, just like a little story. We have a little tidbit about Teo right here. This is in the, I think it was in the animation goofs on the wiki, but I I have a little headcanon y. I usually don't bring up the animation goofs too, too much because it's just like these are people, they make mistakes, it's fine, whatever. Like there are mistakes yeah. in continuity that happen in live action shows, never mind animation. So when Teo says he wants to ride down the hall of statues again, he rolls under the screen with the handbrake of his wheelchair in the down position. When he says that he fixed his brakes, he moves the brake into the up position and rolls off screen with the brake still in the up position. So I did think that was weird. I think it's funny because he says he fixed it and then he can still move when this brake is up. Oh, like he thought he fixed it, but he <laughs> like actually he didn't. He fixed it, but it's broken or he fixed it temporarily <laughs> and didn't realize that he broke it again. Like that's just yeah because of who his father is and the mechanist, while he's a genius and he's very smart and he's very like inventive, he's a little absent-minded in that kind of yeah. way that those types are. So I'd like to think that it rubbed off on his son a little bit. So his son's trying to invent, but he's just a little absent-minded like his father. <laughs> I could see that. I like that headcanon. Yeah. A large rumble occurs seconds later and a tunnel appears with Toph tumbling out of it. Katara asks what happened and Toph says that her feet got burned. Katara asks what happened and Toph reiterates that her feet got burned. I meant how, Katara clarifies. Toph tells the group that she went to look for Zuko last night because she thought that he could be helpful to the group. Maybe if she talked to him, then something could be worked out. When everyone gets angrier at Zuko, Toph tries to tell them that it was an accident, but the group can't get over the fact that Zuko attacked Toph with his firebending. Katara tells Toph that her burns will take a while to heal. Sokka now thinks that Zuko is too dangerous to be left alone and they need to take him prisoner. Sokka's big plan is to get him to come back and say that Zuko will be their prisoner 
and then they'll jump him and really make him their prisoner. <laughs> it's the perfect plan. You really are a master of surprise, Sokka, Katara says sarcastically. Toph is brought over to the nearby fountain and dips in her feet and feels instant relief, even though it stinks to not be able to see with her feet. And she <laughs> yeah. makes that note where she's like, man, seeing like, not seeing with your feet stinks. I don't know how you guys do yeah. it. <laughs> At that moment, we see Combustion Man has been watching the group and has the high ground. There's a nice Star oh. Wars reference for everyone. You're welcome. That that was a great Star Wars reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's great too because he's lost a couple limbs yeah. similar well, to a certain someone in, in Star Wars. But the thing is, that certain someone will never get the high ground. So unlike oh. <laughs> Anakin Skywalker, Combustion Man successfully managed the high ground. And he didn't lose any other limbs. So good for him. That's true. There Since the go. last time they saw him and he That's almost exploded himself. Very true. He takes aim at the Avatar, but is interrupted by Zuko, who swings in from his rope, which causes Sparky Sparky Boom Man to miss. Zuko commands the assassin stop and that the contract has been terminated, but his former freelancer ignores the command and pushes Zuko aside to attack again. Zuko is powerless to stop the attacks, and he says that he will no longer pay Combustion Man. And when that doesn't work, he says the opposite and offers him double the stop attacking, but that doesn't work either. Combustion Man <laughs> turns his attention to Zuko and attacks his former employer, who uses the same fire shield back in the waterbending master and manages to survive the attack, only to be pushed off a nearby ledge, which is really cool that they brought that exact fire shield back. And we already know that it could protect against explosions. Yeah. So I really like that. It's okay, though, because Zuko grabs a nearby vine and climbs his way back up. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So to kind of address all of that, yes, I thought it was so cool. They brought back the fire shield. And this is the one that he used when he was about to get exploded on the ship, right? Yes, that was when the... When Iroh thinks that he's dead. left the blasting jelly. It was that yes. episode. Yes, yeah. exactly. Also, when Zuko climbs up that vine, the act of climbing up the vine and the song or the tune that they play, for some reason, reminded me of The Princess Bride. Did you get those vibes? No, but I haven't seen The Princess Bride in maybe five or six years. So Okay. Yeah. It was definitely a Princess Bride moment. Yeah. I, I mean, it, now that you're mentioning that, I can definitely see that. But the music of The Princess Bride is not on the forefront. It's always the, my name is Marie Montoya and you killed my father. Like that's always like <laughs> yeah. in the forefront for me for now and forevermore. If it helps at all, it's specifically like the trumpets. It's like the... Burr, burr, burr. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Combustion Man is just like unleashing this arsenal, this onslaught on Team Avatar. And the gang try to defend themselves against the assassin. But after several attempts, they only manage to distract him long enough to hide. Toph can't earthbend with her feet burned. And Katara can't get a good enough angle to waterbend at him. And that's when Sokka figures it out. He knows how to get the perfect angle on Combustion Man. He takes out his bestest, most loyal friend in the world, Boomerang, and lines up his shot based on the angle in which the combustion attacks connect. And then, all right, buddy, don't fail me now. Sokka releases his trusty Boomerang, which connects with Combustion Man's forehead right as he inhales for another attack. The force of the impact knocks him on the ground, but the gang celebrates a little too early as their assassin gets back on his feet and takes aim. Only, his vision is blurred, and he can't steady his motion. He tries to attack again, but the attack backfires, and he accidentally blows up the entire building that he was standing on, killing him in the process. <laughs> well, remember what I was saying about not losing any more limbs? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I take that back. The group is stunned. There's your pun for the episode. Oh, right uh, there. there you go. Good. You're welcome. You're welcome. And according to the Nickelodeon website, Combustion Man did in fact die after Sokka's boomerang hit his head because the impact closed his third eye chakra, causing him to explode when he tried to use his power. I do want to know yeah. that I feel like we all thought Combustion Man was a lot more intelligent than he actually was. You know, I had that thought too. <laughs> I think you're right. Like You would think yeah. he'd learn. Because that happened not even a couple episodes ago. That same thing. And he kind of like got out of it just fine. But, you know, cautionary tale and all that. And he's also mm-hmm. missing limbs, which is probably maybe how that happened potentially as well. Maybe one leg. I know it was like developing that and he couldn't control that. I think you said in one of the other episodes, but like maybe he bumped his head and tried to do it. <laughs> I don't know. That's how he lost his his arm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. You would think he would be smart. He's an assassin. Like, yes, he's brute force. And yes, he's brawn and strength and skill and whatever. But like, you have to kind of have a brain. Yeah. To hunt people across the world and to capture them or to kill them. So you would think. That was my thought exactly. I was like, and maybe it's just fiction and popular media usually depict the tracker of the group to be intelligent. Mm-hmm. And maybe it just uses a different part of the brain that's not necessarily linked to intelligence. It's just knowing things and knowing how they correlate in that particular setting. I don't know. But I thought it was very weird that like this happened once. It didn't work out. Why are you trying again? Yep. The other thing that was interesting, uh, Mike and Brian did bring up on the commentary was that Zugo says like, hey, knock it off. Like you're not getting paid anymore. I'll pay you double stop, whatever. Combustion Man ignored him because he knew that there's a bigger prize to get Aang. So he's no longer working ah. for Zuko. He kind of pieced it together. That was like, oh, the Avatar, that's right. I can maybe make a name for myself by getting this guy. If I bring the Avatar to the Fire Lord. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Moments later, Aang is shocked to hear himself thank Zuko for saving the group. Sokka doesn't appreciate Zuko getting all the credit because of the whole boomerang throw actually defeating Combustion Man. But, you know, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Zuko acknowledges that he didn't explain himself very well the other day and tells the group that he's been through a lot the past couple of years. He used to think that his father could restore his honor. But now Zuko sees that nobody can give you your honor. You must earn it for yourself by choosing to do what is right. All Zuko wants to do now is play his part in ending the war. And he understands now that his destiny is to help Aang restore balance to the world by defeating his father. Zuko turns to Toph and apologizes for burning her feet and states a familiar lesson. Fire can be dangerous and wild. So as a firebender, he needs to be more careful and control his bending so he doesn't accidentally hurt anyone. Now, where have we heard that before? <laughs> Sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Did we learn that lesson by a river with another firebending master nearby? Did Zhang Zhang just like disguise himself as Zuko and now <laughs> that's why they're so different? Anyways, Aang now realizes that Zuko is meant to be his firebending teacher and admits this out loud. Before Zuko can be fully accepted into the group, Aang asks his friends if it's okay with them. Toph agrees as it will give her plenty of time to plot her revenge which doesn't actually get plotted or come to fruition. (laughs) Not that we see. I could see a really like good prank off screen or something. Yeah, I'm really bummed that we don't get to see that, but maybe some Avatar Studio stuff. We'll see. Sokka just wants to defeat the Fire Lord. And if this is the way to do it, then he's all in. This just leaves Katara, who says that she will go along with whatever Aang thinks is right. Gaining all of the votes he needs, Zuko promises that he won't let them down. Everyone just kind of scatters after that leaving Zuko alone. 
You're welcome. You're welcome for bringing that title back. Yeah. <laughs> Later that day, Sokka awkwardly shows Zuko to his room. He tries to be welcoming, but it's just so weird to him that Zuko is now a part of their group. Zuko glances back at Sokka and smiles in that kind of like, thank you for your help kind of way. And Sokka takes the hint and walks out of the room. Okay, this is really, really weird, he says to Aang right outside of the doorway. Zuko thinks back to his uncle's words three years prior and how true they were. Destiny is a funny thing. You never know how things are going to work out. But if you keep an open mind and an open heart, I promise you we'll find your destiny someday. Oh, I know. Zuko looks to his left and sees Katara standing outside of his doorway. She tells Zuko that while the rest of the group has accepted him for the time being, she is going to be watching the prince very carefully. If Zuko makes one step backwards, one slip up, or makes any attempt to hurt Aang, he won't have to worry about his destiny any longer. His destiny will end right there and then, permanently. She walks away and slams the door shut. Katara is not messing around. Wow! Wow! That, like, I'm going to be honest, that part frustrates me. Why? I understand where she's coming from, but I just want them to be friends. Like, we know that he's a good guy now. We know that he's gone this full circle. And like before, when he said he was a good guy, he wasn't actually, he wanted to be, he thought, but he wasn't actually. But now that he's gone through what has been happening to him in book three, he's now fully on board. But she doesn't know that. And it's totally understandable. And I know that this is the only way that she would actually react. It doesn't make me less frustrated at this part. I know. The character misunderstandings are one of the most frustrating things to read or watch as a viewer. Yeah. I also think it's interesting. Probably should have said this in the beginning, but we'll say it right now. How interesting it is that the spot where Zuko started searching for the Avatar and like all those years ago, two, three years ago, is where he actually joins Team Avatar. It's freaking poetic is what it is. It's beautiful. Such a like beautiful <laughs> full circle moment. Exactly. And I really enjoyed the placement of Iroh in this episode because we haven't seen him too much in this season. We haven't seen him really in a couple episodes at this point. And even when we have seen him, it's been a couple words here and there, just a reminder that he's still alive. He's still out there. This dynamic that we are seeing is classic book one dynamic back when we first fell in love with Iroh. And it's really kind of like pulling at those heartstrings for me a bit more. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. I really appreciated them. They didn't have to include that, but I'm glad they did for all the reasons you said in this episode and more. So it was really good. Now we got to know Acorn. (laughs) I'm like rubbing my hands. I'm so excited. Who is your MVP for this episode? What kind of question is that? Because this is basically Zuko's episode. This is his redemption moment. Yeah. So yeah, Zuko is my MVP, of course. I mean, it can be Zuko or it can be the guy who actually saved everyone's lives by actually defeating (laughs) Combustion Man, Sokka, who's my MVP. I should have seen that coming. He did it. It's a fair point. Yeah. He used the tool that he always uses and he got them out of that horrible situation. Not even Zuko could get them. Although Zuko got all the credit, but not even Zuko could get them out of. That is totally fair. I think as far as actions go, Sokka earns MVP. Yeah. As far as like persistence and vulnerability and a willingness to put the time and the patience in to restore a relationship with someone... That goes to Zuko. So, you know, I'm glad there's two of us. Yeah, there we go. 
All right. What's your moral of the episode? Don't hire assassins. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That could change loyalties. That's a good one. If you think you might change loyalties, just don't hire an assassin. There yeah. you go. <laughs> On a more serious note, I think it's never too late for redemption. Or simply, it's never too late to heal a relationship or fix or, or restore a relationship. I think Zuko's whole arc is just a really great reminder of how much you can change as a person. And as you change, so do your relationships. So if you broke or hurt a relationship, like Zuko hurt and broke his relationship with Avatar and company, if you're coming back into it from a good place and with your heart, it's not to say that you can't heal something that has been damaged like this. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, the lesson I took out of this one or the moral I took out of this episode is that trust is a hard thing to regain. I think it's fairly easy to gain trust for the first time. But once you've broken that in any way, even like if no one fully trusts you just a little bit and you shatter that, it's very hard to regain it back. But there's a little asterisk to this. So anyone who's going through this, there's a little asterisk. Don't worry, old pal, Booster Greg's got your back. But if you're sincere and if you really actually mean it and you follow through on your actions and you don't give up after like the first initial rejection of just being like, get out of here, we don't trust you. You can prove yourself. I think it's possible to overcome. It's just very difficult. Yeah. Regaining trust is possible. Yeah. It's just difficult. Yeah. 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 If you put in the work, it can be done. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, that's the episode. That's all the lessons, the MVPs, the laughs, the ups, the downs, the high grounds, the low grounds, the combustions, <laughs> all that, all the good stuff. You know, for an episode that's really dialogue heavy and less actiony, yeah. it was a good one. It was a solid I one. I enjoyed this episode. I did too. I usually, I feel like I usually don't get the feely, touchy episodes as much, but I'm, I'm kind of glad it worked out this way this time. And again, yeah. someone who binges all could be like, you're completely wrong, Greg. What are you talking about? And that's just the, the perception <laughs> that I have of it. Maybe I do get more of them. I don't know. But this one felt a little different for me to summarize. So it was, it was a nice change of pace. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I can imagine. Yeah. We hope you all enjoyed the episode, though. And if you want to add anything to the conversation, feel free to write us at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also tweet at us at podcast avatar. Mm-hmm. And remember, we haven't talked about this episode too much, but remember, if you want to find additional ways to support the podcast, you can always go to patreon.com slash avatar the podcast, where we have now two episodes up of Secret Podcast, which means two different polls for everyone to participate in. The first one did just end, so we'll be announcing to our patrons who the winner is, although they can see it, so I don't know why I make such a big deal out of it, but I like to. (laughs) I like to make a ceremony out of it, maybe. We'll see. And we also have doodle pages and we have AMAs as well. So if there are any questions that you are just pressing to ask us about Avatar The Last Airbender or maybe just something about our lives in general within reason, obviously, you can go to patreon.com slash Avatar The Podcast. And as long as you are in the 100-year war, so a $5 pledge or higher, you get access to all this content. And we got another secret podcast coming in just like <gasps> a week, I think. I don't know. When I it, like, cannot a wait. It's going to be so much fun. And if you're caught up on all of the additional content, you've emailed us, you've written the five-star review on Apple, and you're a patron, you can always follow me over at twitch.tv slash boostergreg on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also find me on Twitter. Some people have been finding me on Instagram, and I feel terrible because my Instagram is dead. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's been a minute. I posted a picture of Rusty and then I just haven't followed through on anything. You can also find me on TikTok. I've been posting TikToks. There you go. I'm obsessed with TikTok. It's not healthy. I find myself looking at TikTok without even realizing I'm looking. It's like MySpace all over again. Oh, gosh. Not yes. Great. It is very addicting from what yes. I have gathered. Yes. <laughs> You're not the first person. Yeah. You're not the first person to say that. Don't join it, Acorn. Please save yourself. <laughs> I'm trying to stay away. Stay away. And you can find me online at Acorn Bandit. You can also find me over on joysons.com. That's J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com where I create enamel pins. And yes, we haven't forgotten about the enamel pin for book three. That's it right. It is coming. It is coming. We're still brainstorming some ideas. Some of the ideas that we had thought up of, there are actually, no lie, 1,524 different iterations of it. So we had to kind of pivot a little bit. <laughs> yep. The good thing about Avatar coming back to Netflix and getting really popular again is we have all these new fans to come on this yes, journey with us. Yes. The bad news is, well, I guess it's kind of a good news, bad news situation. There are a lot of creators who are creating fun Avatar-based things, including enamel pins. And so a lot of the ideas are already created and they are fabulous. So if yeah. you've never looked into it, there are some really good pins on Etsy. But really we are. are going to have our own and we're going to try to make it really good and different. Yeah, we feel like now there's been a standard of quality that has been set by our previous two. So we just want to make sure we're living up to it and making sure that everyone will love it as much as we do. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up next time. The truth about dragons. And Zuko's new groove. All this and more next time on Avatar, Avatar the, the Podcast. podcast. Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. <laughs>